0: Good morning, and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey. If you'd like to hear past episodes, check them out on soundcloud.com or on iTunes. You know, every time I go to record one of these podcasts, I... Ask the Lord to give me a word or something to share. And yesterday I was praying and I was asking God to give me a word for today. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you a word tomorrow for tomorrow. Today, worry about today. And I think so many times in our lives, we're looking for uh, what's going to happen tomorrow instead of what God has for us today. And God really spoke to me yesterday, but then he also spoke to me today. And uh, we lack a trust in God when we think that we have to get tomorrow's word today. We lack a trust in God when we uh, have to store up something that that God won't be enough tomorrow. And I just want to remind all of us that God is enough today, that God has enough wisdom and knowledge. And just because he gives us something awesome yesterday doesn't mean all of his power is used up or all of his wisdom or time or blessing is used up. And just like the Uh, Account in the Gospels where they're on the Mount of Transfiguration and they see Moses and Elijah, and Peter says, Oh, let's build a tent right now so we can stay here forever. And I feel like so many times in our lives, we just want to stay forever right where it is that God spoke to us because we feel like that's the only time He's going to speak, or we have to capture this and control this and hold on to this and make this into a program or a thing. And God is so big and He's so uh, real and He's so uh, available every single day. And so today I have a word for you from the Lord for today. Uh, It's not yesterday's word, it's today's word. And I'm so thankful that God is so gracious and God is so uh, big and he's big enough to give us a word for each day. So let's pray and then uh, let's get right into it. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you aren't like humans. You aren't like mankind that uh, falter, that sin, that go back on their word, that change like shifting shadows, that uh, have good intentions but don't follow through. God, I thank you that you are a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that you are steadfast and steady, that you are something that is we can adamantly trust in. God, I thank you for who you are. And Lord, I pray that we would look to you with great trust. That, God, we would look to you with great confidence, that we would be sure of our God, that we would be sure of our Creator. And, Lord, I pray today that your word goes forth and it changes our hearts and it changes our mind. God, I pray right now that you would unstop ears of people that don't want to listen to you. God, I pray that you would uh, just change hearts of people that want to stay hard and don't want to move on and don't want to forgive. God, help us to move towards you and not away from you. God, help us to hear your words and let them change our hearts and our lives. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we get to pray all these things. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that is super hard lately for me is concentrating. Um, And yesterday, uh, I wrote in my journal, I wrote uh, this. It says, it takes a long, long time to push everything else aside and be with Jesus with no expectations. No expectations of getting something done. It's hard to push into the relaxed mode in his presence where we can garden in Garden of Eden together. (laughs) God help us, empty our minds. It's hard until we practice. What I mean by Garden of Eden together is when uh, Jesus walked in the cool of the day, or God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and walked with them and he talked with them and uh, conversed with them. And uh, it's so hard for us to get to that point. And, you know, a lot of what I want to talk today about today is um, emptying ourselves out enough, practicing that art of emptying ourselves out. I wrote that in my journal at like, I don't know how many hours in it was that I was trying to spend time with God and I I kept watching the clock, you know, like how long am I going to do this? What time will I be done? (laughs) You know, and I set a goal like, okay, I'll be done at this certain time and I'm I'm watching my clock and watching my clock. And I realized that I was having such a hard time emptying my mind So what I ended up doing is uh, opening my journal to an end page and writing down everything that I, my to-do list, emptying it all out of my brain. And so it was all on paper. So then I could sit before the Lord without uh, my mind drifting to different things. And it's just so common that we, we can't just be with Jesus, because we're always on the go, we always have things to do, we always are thinking of other things, letting our minds wander, and it really is something that takes practice to just be able to spend time with Jesus. And uh, so uh, today we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew, we'll start in 5 and we'll work our way through 6 and 7. If you have a brother, then you know about the not touching, not touching, not touching, not touching uh, situation. When a parent says, don't touch your sister, brothers are famous for getting as close as they can and dotting their finger all around saying, not touching, not touching, not touching. And they're technically not touching, and yet... (laughs) what they're doing is wrong, right? They haven't broken an actual rule because they are not literally touching their sister and yet they're uh, just annoying them and going right around the rule. <laughs> I'm sure sisters do it too. I don't have a sister, um, but I know my brother did that plenty and I know I've seen my boys do that to each other. Not touching, not touching, not touching. Especially when you're in a car and you say, don't touch your sibling. Man, it's like an open invitation to not touching, not touching. Uh, they And in that situation, you don't technically disobey your parents parent and yet you did disobey your parent. You see what I mean? You didn't technically touch the person, but yet you're, you're in the spirit of disobedience. The law that your parents laid down was don't touch and you didn't. And yet you have the spirit of disobedience. There's so many things that uh, we can work on technicalities on. And and it's a lot like me spending time with Jesus where, um, okay, I'll be done at exactly 2.30 and it's 2.15 and I'm just counting down the seconds. Well, I'm not spending time right then. I might as well stop. I'm just counting down the seconds. We can see, you know, the difference between following something precisely and and doing it with our whole heart in in school projects. You can see a school project that is technically done and you can go down the the rubric of the, you know, of what you need to do and check, you know, in this project there's this, there's that. There's a cover page, there's a title, there you know, all these things, check, check, check. And yet you can see that there was no passion in it. You can see that it was just something that had to be done and so you did it. We can see this also in in jobs that people do. You know, when someone loves their job. Well, I used to go to this post office uh, in Glens Falls, and there were two tellers. I don't know why I went to the post office so often, but uh, every time I went to this post office in Glens Falls, there were two uh, tellers that worked there, and I always tried to get in the line with the guy because he was so personable and so kind, and. He took his job to the next level. You know, um, the lady did her job. She technically did her job, did everything quickly, did everything right, no complaints. But the guy was always like, "Hey, how's it going?" and just so super nice. And he took his job above and beyond. This can happen in anything. I mean, from janitor to CEO, um, you can see the difference of someone who loves their job and someone who, do, who doesn't. I've recently been watching the TV show, uh, The Resident. And in The Resident, the CEO... Oh no, it's not called The Resident. It's called New Amsterdam. There's two medical shows. New Amsterdam. And it, the CEO of this hospital um, is passionate about his job. So passionate that he's changing up all kinds of uh, ways that they do stuff. Um, he is just making all this this uh, advancements in what he's doing. And uh, one of his famous lines, every time he comes into a situation that's really difficult, he's like, how can I help? And he brings himself down to that servant mode. How can I help this situation? What can I do? And uh, he loves his job and it's changing everything. You know, when you love your job uh, and you care about it, you excel. You're innova- innovative and you're creative and you care. And there's just such a difference between. Technically following what you're supposed to do and caring about it, and I I feel as though that's where uh, the teeter totter goes in our in our faith walk. The teeter totter goes between technically I prayed, technically I read the Bible, technically I went to church, and now the difference between that and seesaw to the other side. I can't wait to read my Bible. I bring my Bible everywhere I go. It's in my purse. Uh, I, You know, I, I pull it up anytime I have a few minutes. Even at the grocery store, I pull it up on my phone when, when I'm going to check out because I just want to read a little bit more and I can't get enough. And I want the word of God hidden in my heart. And so, you know, I'm going above and beyond it. I'm trying to memorize and I'm sharing or your prayer life, where you just can't get enough time with, with your Savior. You can't get enough time with your Creator, Jesus. And, you know, then, or you can't wait to get to church. You know, there's a thing that my husband and I always kind of gauge things by. If people want to be there, they'll be there. You know, if people really care about what time Bible say starts, they'll find it out. If people really care about coming to a certain event, then they'll find it out, what time it is, where it is, when it starts. I mean, the information's there. It may take a little bit. But people who don't really care, they need five reminders, a text that morning, and then they'll probably forget, and most likely they won't pay for you know the ticket or whatever. So if you want to do something, you'll do it. If you don't want to, it'll be a struggle. And it's the same with school projects and jobs and obeying your parents and all these things. There is that teeter-totter of duty and delight, you know, Uh, is, are you doing this because you're delighted in it? Are you doing this because you have to? And anything from a janitor's job to a postmaster's job to whatever, you can do it with passion if you choose to. So we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter five and... Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is doing his incredible Sermon on the Mount. This is just a very long portion of scripture where Jesus is the primary person talking or the only person talking for a few chapters. And he's pouring out, it's like a, a fire hose of information. And at the end of this, um, in Matthew seven twenty eight, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Okay, what's the difference here? Duty versus delight. Jesus was preaching. He was teaching out of what was stored up in his belly. You know what I'm saying? It was deep in his bones versus the religious people who were laying down the law required to read this portion of scripture or tell you these certain things or do it for their own uh, glory or their own gain. So there's a huge difference there, difference there, even in how it's presented. So he goes through Sermon on the Mount, and there's so much in here, but it mirrors beautifully uh, Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are given to Moses. So the Ten Commandments are laid down. The law is laid down. Don't touch your sister. And the people say, okay, I can, I can follow that. I'll try to follow that. You know, here are the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery don't have any gods before me, don't lie, all these different things listed out, black and white, number one, number two, number three, all the way through number 10. And now Jesus takes them and he says, I don't want you to just follow the letter of the law. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. And he says, you know, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the religious people, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is one of passionately serving the Lord. It's not one of just technically following rules. There's no one that's going to technically get into heaven because they technically read their daily bread every day for 50 years and technically went to church and technically prayed. We get into heaven because of a passionate relationship with Jesus. And if we look really carefully here... At the end of uh, Matthew 7, 7, 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Then in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't get into heaven on a technicality. It goes on to say, uh, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. These are people performing miracles and prophesying. And, And God says to them, I never knew you. You don't get into heaven on a technicality of just one day saying a verse or repeating a prayer. Jesus, forgive me. I believe that you're real. He says, you don't even know the will of my father. How will you know the will of the father? You'll walk with him and you'll talk to him. You'll garden of Eden with him, meaning that you spend time in his presence Unless you spend time with God and get a word for today, get direction for your life today. We can't go off of yesterday's manna. We can't go off of yesterday's word. God is so big and so wise that he has enough for you today. We can trust that he has something for you today, something that he has for you to learn or to do or to be. It's so beyond us. We have to listen to the blueprint that God has laid out for our lives. He has good plans for us but we have to be spending time. We have to be emptying ourselves out of all this worldly stuff, making the world grow strangely dim and being in the presence of God. So Jesus, in his sermon, he goes on to talk about, uh, it's not enough to technically not murder someone. That's not enough. If you look at someone with hatred or anger or even contempt, it's like you've committed murder. He says, uh, adultery, you've heard it say that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her head. It's not technically doing the science project and doing everything on the list. It's doing it with great passion and with great concern for the, the person asking you to do it. And so if my goal and my aim is to please God, then I won't just go for the technicality of not murdering. I won't stand before God one day and say, God, I never murdered or committed adultery. Let me in. I'll say, God, I knew you. God, I walked with you. God, I listened. I was quick to obey when you said to go and do that thing or go and do this thing. God, I I listened to the plan that you had for my life because I know that you created me while I was in my mother's womb. You fingerprinted me. You gave me DNA. You gave me uh, giftings and talents. And God, I listened to you, my creator, and I used them for your glory and not... For my own, and then not for my own part is super important. So he goes through murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and repaying people and loving our enemies. But then he goes in to this whole thing of, okay, you can't just technically obey the law, the letter of the law. You have to obey the spirit of the law. So the not touching, not touching, not touching thing that brothers do. We can't do that. Technically, I wasn't murdering, but I was hating and bitter and holding on to every grudge. I could not say I forgive you. I will never forgive you. Then you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Goes on from beyond that. It's not just the technicality. It's the spirit of the law. And then he goes on. And now all these things that you do, be careful, be careful, be careful that you don't do your good deeds in front of people. You have to help those who are needy. You have to pray. You have to fast, but don't do it in front of people. Don't do it for your own glory. Do it to glorify God. Do it in secret. When you pray, go in and close the door. When you fast, don't tell people you're fasting. When you give to people, don't post it on Facebook. All the things that you do, that you do in secret and you do them to please God, you'll be rewarded for in heaven. But all the things that you do, to get attention for all the things that you do to brag about, all the things you do for show, then you'll get your reward right here in heaven. All the out of boys and out of girls, all the great job. It's great that you helped that homeless person. Oh, good for you. You gave to this organization or that organization. Good for you. You've already received your reward. Matthew 6 goes on to say, but rather store up for yourself treasures in heaven where a moth and a and, and vermits can't can't destroy them. Your treasures in heaven are worth so much more than your treasures on earth. The earth is going to pass away. We're only here for a little while, but we're in heaven forever. Store up your treasures in heaven. Store them up by praying, fasting, and giving in secret. If your righteousness doesn't uh, supersede the righteousness of the religious people of the day, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the religious people of the day, they prayed, they fasted, they gave. They prayed, they fasted, they gave. They prayed, they fasted, they gave. They continued to do it. But they did it as unto themselves. They did it for their own glory. There's no question about praying, fasting, and giving. It should be done, but it has to be done to glorify God. All these things are said. I mean, Jesus is talking here for for pages in the Bible, and we come across Matthew 6, 25, and it starts off with this word, therefore. So since Jesus said all of these things, he said, don't follow the letter of the law. Follow the spirit of the law. Don't just obey technically. Obey with your whole heart. Obey passionately. Don't do your good deeds in front of people to get glory and honor from people, but instead from God. Therefore, since you've done all these things, since you're passionately serving God, since you're praying and fasting and giving, therefore, therefore, do not worry about your life. Verse 25 of chapter 6 didn't come first. It came after all of those things. Therefore, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are not, are you not more, more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Therefore, Not this doesn't come first. It's therefore. Since you've chosen to follow God with your whole heart, since you're choosing to spend time with him, now don't worry. He's going to take care of you. But many of us uh, go the other way. We put this verse first or we, we isolate this verse and we just say, oh, just don't worry about anything. God's got it. Have you spent time with him? Maybe you're going in the wrong direction. Have you spent time with him? Maybe it's time to forgive someone. Maybe it's time to stop lusting. Maybe it's time to stop looking at pornography. Maybe it's time to stop considering divorce. Maybe it's time to stop making oaths that or promises that you can't keep. Maybe it's time to start loving your enemies. Maybe it's time to do all those things. Maybe it's time to pray. Maybe it's time to fast. Maybe it's time to give. Then don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. It goes on in, in, in Matthew six twenty eight. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the, clothes, the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what are we going to eat and what are we going to drink and what are we going to wear? For pagans, run after all of these things. Do you see that word run after all these things? They are chasing after money, security, themselves, their own fame. You have to be running and chasing after giving your money away, after forgiving people, after being a person of your word. After spending time with Jesus, you have to run after those things. Your righteousness has to surpass those of the, the Pharisees of that religious day. Or you'll be like a pagan running after nicer clothes, bigger houses, a boat, a car, a house on the lake. What are you running after? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is not technical. His righteousness is a heart condition. His righteousness is not boastful. It's something that brings glory and honor to God. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 7, 24 says, again, this word, therefore, after all these things, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice and puts them into practice, it's not enough to memorize scripture. It's enough when you live it out. It's not enough to memorize scripture. It's enough when you live it out. It's not enough to repost it on Facebook. It's enough when you live it out. It's not enough to go to church. It's enough when you be the church. It's not enough to say you believe. It's enough when you act out your belief. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Friends, this idea of do not worry comes sandwiched after following God with your whole heart, praying, fasting, and giving the rock, the foundation is Jesus. The rock and foundation can't be our own pride. It can't be our own righteousness. Our own righteousness is never enough. We have to be found walking in the garden with Jesus. We have to be found praying and seeking God, finding his will for our life and being quick to obey. And then there is nothing, nothing that can move us. When we set our feet on the rock of Jesus Christ, there is no storm in life that can get us to jump off. There is no situation that can move us because we're found on Jesus Christ. Our treasures are in heaven anyway. We don't even worry about clothes or food because everything that we have is in heaven. It's not here on earth. My hope is not in my bank account. My hope is not in my uh, car or my house or my vacation plan. My hope is in a rock that never moves, a rock, the rock of ages. Jesus. We can't be like a brother tempting his sister with, I'm not touching, I'm not touching, I'm not touching. Because even though technically he's not disobeying, he is disobeying. The letter of the law and the spirit of the law teeter back and forth. And God says that we have to follow the spirit of the law. It's more than just a technicality. It's more than just a school project that we just scrape by and get done. I'm reminded of Abraham and Lot and his daughters. Not Abraham and Lot. Lot and his wife and his daughters. Sodom and Gomorrah was this evil city they were living in. And the angels of of the Lord came to him and said, you have to leave right now. I'm going to destroy this evil city. Go and don't look back. Run out. It's about to be consumed with sulfur and fire and burned to the ground. Run and don't look back. And they ran. And Lot didn't look back. And his daughters didn't look back. But his wife turned and looked back to the city. Because her... Heart was there more than it was in the trust in God. And the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus beckons us today to come to him and never look away. Jesus beckons us to come and set our feet on a rock that is higher than ourselves. He beckons us to come and to live a life contrary to what what's our, our flesh wants to do. He uh, beckons us to come and find living water and strength in him. He says he has living water in a well that does not run dry ever. He always is enough. He always is enough. When we come and we place our lives in God's hand, then we're walking through a narrow gate. We're not walking through the gate that everybody else is walking through. We're walking through a gate that says, God, I want to know you. God, I want to serve you passionately. I want to be that one who is obsessively in love with Jesus. And I never want to look away. I never want to turn my attention back to how much money I can make. I never want to turn my attention back to how much glory I can get. I never want to turn my attention back to holding on to my hatred for someone else. I never want to turn my attention back to lust. I never want to turn my attention back to being double minded and unstable. I never want to turn my attention back to doing good to glorify myself. I never want to look away from God. His ways are contrary to ours. His ways are better than ours. But we can trust him that he has enough for us today. And we can trust him that he'll have enough for us tomorrow, too. And we don't need tomorrow's manna today. We don't need tomorrow's vision for us today. We need enough for today. We need to look deep into the eyes of God and know that, he, that we can trust him. And then on that day when we stand before God, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He'll say that he knows us. He'll say that he knows us. And we won't be surprised because we know him too. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would begin to change our hearts. God, if we've been living uh, our lie, our Christian lives on a technicality. If we've been living our Christian lives just checking off checkboxes of it, of of devotional time that was done out of duty. God, tra- change our our duty into delight. Change our our rigidness into a love and a passion for you. God, I pray that you would uh, change make our hearts of stone like hearts of clay. Help us to listen to your Holy Spirit. Help us to be quick to obey your ways. It's not enough, God, that we just technically don't do the things we're not supposed to. Help us to want to to serve you and to love you with everything that we have. Because that's the kind of love, God, that's contagious. That's the kind of love that other people can say, see and say is genuine. So God, I pray that you would turn our hearts to you. Turn our hearts to you. Help us to turn our hearts away from the world, away from ourselves. God, I pray that you would be glorified and not ourselves. God, I pray for each person listening, that they would follow you with everything that they have. God, we thank you for the kingdom of heaven. We thank you that one day, God, we will all uh, be with you in heaven. Lord, I pray that you continue to change and mold us to be more like you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your glory. Thank you that you are enough. God, we, we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.